The Naval Academy Museum presents a history of the Navy in 100 objects. Welcome to the second podcast in our series, A History of the Navy in 100 Objects. When we began our first podcast last time with the tomb of John Paul Jones, we said that this is a series about stories. And the biggest story of this week is the ongoing struggle about the looming budget cuts in Washington. Political and financial battles have dominated headlines in recent years, and much criticism has been heaped upon today's lawmakers. But our object today helps put some of this into perspective, showing that for much of our nation's history, wrangling about the defense budgets has occupied a key place in the political dialogue in Washington. And, for as long as this wrangling has occurred, there have been political cartoonists there to illuminate the perceived shortcomings and wrongs of politicians. Yet perhaps the most important takeaway from our object today is not to look at how things have remained the same. Yes, politicians still square off and consensus seems perpetually out of reach. Rather, let's look at the change in conditions under which the debate is taking place. Today we are joined by Rob Doan, one of the Naval Academy Museum curators, and he takes us to the second floor of the museum to the Beverly R. Robinson collection of prints with an obscure print from the American Civil War. At that time, our country was split in two by a bitter, bloody civil war that pitted family and friends against one another and in which thousands of lives were lost. Today, the same debates may be taking place, but these debates are occurring in newspapers and congressional buildings, not the battlefield. So, you see, the budget conflict is nothing new. But however bitter the debate is, one of the great things about our political system is that even this debate, which affects all of us in some way, does not occur on the battlefield. We now go to Rob Doan. And we're here this morning. I wanted to show you off one of the prints that we have in our collection here. This collection involves uh, almost 6,000 pieces of uh, maritime and naval artwork. This particular one is a nice example of a political cartoon from just actually at the start of the Civil War. This is a print that was made by Courier Knives, a name that's familiar to a lot of Americans, having published lots and lots of prints in the 1800s. They were the largest uh, printing company at that time. This particular print, we actually don't know the name of the specific artist who made it. They had hundreds of artists working for them at that time, and they certainly employed more and more at the start of the Civil War. Uh, when the war began, again, of course, this is in the mid-1800s. Uh, nobody had any TV, internet, uh, things like that to find out what was going on. Newspapers were it as far as uh, spreading news to the American population, letting them stay informed about how the war was going. And illustrations, uh, if you could illustrate your newspaper, then so much the better. This particular political cartoon here uh, is interesting because it's actually a criticism of the Navy and of naval policymakers at the start of the war. The beginning of the Civil War, the U.S. Navy uh, was very small. It only consisted of 42 ships on active commission. By the end of the war, they had actually built that up to 671 ships. But obviously, that's a long way to go to get from 42 to 671. So in 1861, before you can even think about strategy, tactics, about how to fight the war, you've got to actually build a navy first. That's really the first step. And that's what this cartoon is all about. Secretary of the Navy at the time was a man named Gideon Wells from Connecticut. And you can see that the title of this cartoon is The Blockade on the Connecticut Plan. Uh, when the war began, it was decided that uh, the Navy was going to play an important role trying to blockade the southern ports to try and choke off all the supplies coming into the south that would enable them 
to fight the North. And so the Navy's job was to try to get on station and, and choke off those supply lines coming through the ports. With 42 ships, obviously that's nowhere near enough to be able to do that. So Gideon Wells appointed uh, a man who was actually his brother-in-law, a man named George D. Morgan, to go out and start uh, finding ships and buying them for the Navy. They realized uh, you couldn't just build a new Navy like that. You didn't have time for that. That would take years and years and years to build that many ships. So it was much quicker to actually go out and just buy ships that were already in existence, uh, that were owned by private ship owners, and then use them in federal service. So that was George Morgan's job. He traveled all around the Northeast uh, and uh, along the East Coast looking for ships to buy and, and use them for naval service. Unfortunately for him, uh, he ran into quite a bit of criticism for that, and, and Gideon Wells was criticized, and that's what this uh, cartoon here is, is showing. Um, Gideon Wells was accused of nepotism, since he's using his brother-in-law to do this, and it was also common at that time for these purchasing agents to take a commission for themselves for every ship that they bought. It was perfectly common, and, and looking back on it now, it really doesn't look like Morgan was doing anything wrong, but people at that time felt like he was taking an unusually large commission for each ship that he bought. So all of those things brought more and more criticism down on Morgan. Now once uh, they started having enough ships to put on blockade, uh, the person who drew this cartoon evidently felt that the blockade was not really working very effectively, and he was right. There certainly wasn't any disagreement about that. The scene that we're showing here is actually a historical incident uh, that happened on March 17th, 1862. This ship in the middle is a Confederate steamer. It's a blockade runner called CSS Nashville, and that ship came out of the port of Beaufort, South Carolina, and easily ran through the blockade. Uh, no Union ship even got close to be able to try and stop them and, and uh, find out, search the ship, find out what they were carrying. These two uh, Union ships out here were, were actual ships, uh, the Cambridge and the Gemsbach. Uh, they, as you see, the way that the artist has drawn them here, he's made them to look out to be basically floating bathtubs. So he's making a commentary on how seaworthy and how effective some of those early ships in the Navy were. Uh, the idea being that they were not. They were converted merchantmen in a lot of cases that sometimes weren't very seaworthy at all and certainly were not warships, so didn't really do a good job in enforcing the blockade. On top of that, uh, the Navy was straddled, or, or was uh, some of the naval officers at the time felt like the rules that governed the blockade were, were overly restrictive. The captain of the Gemsbach here is, uh, the artist has has a little bubble here where he's talking, he's shouting out something to the crew of the Confederate ship saying, if you don't stop, we have instructions to come to anchor and write the secretary for further orders. So that's another little uh, joke on his part and a commentary about kind of the rules of engagement, which, uh, you know, this is uh, happening in 1861, but that seems to be a debate that always comes up. Uh, certainly that kind of thing comes up in Vietnam and even today when we're talking about the Navy's role in combating piracy and how aggressive they should be. Uh, it's, it's a great little window on how people have dealt with those issues in the past. So that's a little bit about the background of this print.